0: This is BMO Smarter Investing for June 2023. Join top BMO economists Douglas Porter, Sal Gutieri, and Jennifer Lee for trends and forecasts across the economic landscape so you can make more thoughtful investment decisions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Sal Gutierrez. Commercial real estate markets are making headlines given challenges facing the sector. In this podcast will discuss the four key segments the focus on offices, the one area likely to face a reckoning in the years and even decades ahead. At a high level, the two commercial real estate sectors that flourished in the pandemic, industrial and multifamily housing, have slowed but are likely to weather the expected mild economic slump reasonably well. Retail faces a deeper chill as consumer spending will weaken in response to high interest rates and tighter lending conditions. But it's the office segment that will struggle the most as a weak macro climate compounds the challenge stemming from hybrid work. Like most asset classes, commercial property values were inflated by cheap credit in the pandemic and are now sagging under the weight of the highest policy rates since 2007. After peaking in early 2022, U.S. property prices have fallen about 15%, basically returning to pre-pandemic levels led by a 25% plunge in office values. Despite high interest rates, though, credit quality has been strong across most commercial real estate sectors, with the recent exception of offices. At under 1%, the U.S. delinquency rate, a commercial real estate loans from banks, was only slightly above recent record lows. While this rate should return to the long-run median of about 2% in a mild downturn, even that would pale against the near 9% peak reached in the Great Recession. Delinquency rates for commercial mortgage-backed securities have turned up, notably for office buildings. And U.S. business bankruptcies have risen but remain below 2019 levels, while Canadian business insolvencies have basically just returned to pre-pandemic levels. Now, the recent failure of a few U.S. regional banks will impact the commercial real estate market, largely through tighter lending conditions. Commercial property owners could have difficulty refinancing as lending conditions for this group have tightened further, according to the Fed's survey of lending officers. So let's take a deeper dive into the four main commercial real estate sectors. The industrial segment has benefited from some reshoring of activity and vastly improved global supply chains after three years of disruptions stemming from the pandemic, Ukraine war and deglobalization. The segment continues to support the logistics and warehousing needs of e-commerce firms. A low-valid currency has underpinned activity in Canada, while strong infrastructure spending has supported U.S. factory construction. Industrial building owners have enjoyed low vacancy rates and rapid rent increases. Canada's industrial availability rate remains close to historic lows, and that's driven rents 28% higher in the past year to the first quarter. Capitalization rates remain low. Overall, the industrial segment is well-positioned to handle a mild economic slump, though it will decelerate this year. Multifamily residential property remains healthy in most regions, with rental vacancy rates held down by low joblessness and a still pricey housing market. While home prices have fallen sharply in Canada, they appear to be bottoming, leaving many cities unaffordable for median income families. Canadian benchmark condo prices are down about 9% in the past year, Remember, they soared 33% in the previous two years. The apartment market appears healthier in Canada than in the U.S. due to stronger population growth. Rents across all property types in Canada are up about 10% in the past year to April. Demand for purpose-built rental units remains high as decades of underinvestment clash with surging immigration. Multifamily housing will remain supported by a tight rental market this year. The Prairie Province says the parts of Atlantic Canada, which are attracting both international and interprovincial migrants due to inexpensive housing, should outperform Central Canada and British Columbia. South of the border, the earlier frenzy in the U.S. rental market has also subsided. Vacancy rate did rise to just over 6% in the first quarter. That's up from a four decade low last year, but still about one percentage point below long run norms. Zillow's observed rent index has slowed, but still running at 5% rate in the past year, though that is down from 17% a year ago. Apartment building values have tumbled, though, about 21% from their peak, according to Green Street Advisors. That's really just a testament to how overheated the apartment market was previously. Landlords will face lower prices, weaker rents, and higher borrowing costs this year. Still, continued poor housing affordability should put a floor under the U.S. rental market. The retail sector has recovered on strong job growth, brisk wage gains, and excess savings. U.S. availability rates for retail properties remain low at 7% late last year. In Canada, rent growth is sturdy at 4% year-over-year in December. Return to more normal online shopping patterns has helped in-store sellers. After spiking above 16% earlier in the pandemic, The e-commerce share of U.S. retail sales has fallen below 15%, though it's still up from around 11% before the pandemic. According to a recent CBRE survey, about 70% of shoppers prefer in-person to online shopping, with digitally savvy Gen Zers even keener than millennials. The retail sector has softened recently in response to higher interest rates, a trend that will likely continue as the unemployment rate drifts higher big city retailers that rely on office commuters will probably face tougher times than suburban stores. Office buildings will remain the most depressed commercial real estate segment for some time. A mild downturn will compel companies to reduce headcounts in space, aggravating the secular challenge arising from the adoption of hybrid work. Earlier rapid growth in the tech industry had helped landlords during the pandemic, but a recent wave of layoffs is causing a surge in subleasing. While office rents have held relatively steady, incentives are on the rise and more will be needed as tenants reconsider their long-run needs. Valuations of publicly traded real estate investment trusts have been sliced in half in the U.S. and Canada. This flags some downward pressure on the privately held office market in Canada, though institutional investors such as pension funds tend to have long-term investment objectives, may be better capitalized to ride out the storm. Employees have been slow to return to in-person work. Many have settled on spending half their time in the office, albeit with wide variation across professions. Office return rates are lowest in the information sector, followed by some business professions such as legal and accounting, and they are lower in larger urban centres due to high commuting costs and safety concerns. Toronto's office return rate is just under 50% of pre-pandemic levels, as is the U.S. 10-city average. That's a major concern for building owners and their lenders. Remote work could do to offices what e-commerce did to malls, make them far less essential to our daily lives. Still, the direction of office occupancy rates is pretty unclear. While many workers prefer a hybrid option, employers are more actively coaxing them back to in-person work, either with carrots, such as free food and gourmet coffee, or the stick including lower bonuses and fewer promotions. Unresolved is the impact of remote work on productivity. Gains at the individual level, partly due to less commuting time, may not compensate for aggregate losses stemming from poorer collaboration and training and a loss of corporate culture. It's possible that office return rates will stabilize at around 60% of pre-pandemic levels. However, this won't necessarily translate into 40% reduction in office demand as additional space will be required for new amenities and peak in-office days, which seems to be Wednesday at around 57% in the U.S., according to Castle, We suspect office demand ultimately will shrink by up to 20% of 2019 levels. Canada's office vacancy rate spiked to record 18% in the first quarter of this year from 10% before the pandemic. One group says there, there's almost 50 million square feet a vacant office space in Canada's downtowns that's enough to fill 89 Rogers centres, the home of the Toronto Blue Jays baseball team. Regionally, Ottawa's rate climbed to 12% due to a spate of tech layoffs. It's headed higher as the federal government plans to unload about half of its office space. Toronto's vacancy rate has more than doubled in the pandemic to about 18%, the highest since 1996. Its downtown rate is 15% the highest in nearly three decades, and up from just 2% in early 2020. It looks to rise further as 14 office buildings are currently under construction, according to Altus Group. And a recent study suggests that even under a best-case scenario, whereby office workers return four days a week, Toronto's vacancy rate will remain near current high levels even two decades from now. Moreover, the effective of office vacancy rate is higher than the official rate, which excludes available sublease space. Shopify has recently put seven floors up for sublease. Calgary's downtown office vacancy rate of 32% is the highest among major Canadian cities. It's compelled its government to offer grants to convert office buildings into living space and public amenities. Due to soaring vacancies, asking rents in Canada have started to fall now for the first time in years. South of the border, the U.S. office vacancy rate jumped to 17% late last year, from around 12% at the start of the pandemic. One group, Cushman and Wakefield, believe that up to a quarter of all offices could be functionally obsolete in seven years, requiring significant investments to either upgrade or repurpose. It expects vacancies to keep rising, as only a third of leases scheduled to expire by the end of the decade have already done so. In the U.S., the federal government is the biggest office tenant, and large budget deficits could force it to save on office space. Another threat for office landlords and their workers is that many professional service jobs can be done remotely in countries with lower wages than North America. Class A towers with modern amenities will continue to to attract tenants from older buildings. However, a flight to quality won't fully immunize high-end buildings from remote work. Vacancy rates have risen as well for luxury buildings, according to Saville's. Suburban office buildings may outperform downtown towers as many remote workers have moved to the suburbs, compelling some companies to provide office space closer to home. CBRE reported that the average U.S. downtown office vacancy rate surpassed that of the suburbs for the first time in decades. Loan defaults currently remain low because office leases typically last 10 years or more, but financial strain is mounting as vacancy rates rise. Property manager Brookfield recently defaulted on a few large office towers in Los Angeles. Research group TREP says around $1.2 trillion of debt was backed by U.S. office buildings in the middle of last year, suggesting that the ripple effects of wider distress could be material. Office buildings in states with weak population trends are especially vulnerable. More unused office space will be repurposed for living needs. Last year, a record number of U.S. office buildings were converted to apartments. Repurposing will limit credit losses of office owners and allow lenders to recoup some losses. However, vacancy rates could stay high for a while given the lengthy time to convert a building. In addition, only a fraction of office buildings can be repurposed depending on location, design, and zoning restrictions. Avison Young estimates that 34% of office towers built before 1990 in 14 major cities across North America have the potential to be converted To living space, though not all are economically viable. To wrap up, high interest rates, tighter lending conditions, and expected shallow downturn will depress rental revenue and commercial property values this year. Even the sturdy industrial and multifamily residential segments won't be entirely immune, though strong population growth should bolster the latter in Canada. These headwinds will translate into less lending and higher default rates mostly in the beleaguered office market, but longer term, the conversion of empty offices to much needed living space could actually revitalize some downtowns. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to BMO Smarter Investing, a podcast brought to you by BMO Investor Line. We are here to empower Canadians to invest smarter. For more information on how you can start investing today, visit bmo.com slash online investing. And be sure to subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.